0: Stuff podcasts.
1: Hello, your content warning is pretty short for this episode. There's sex, obviously, and swearing. Oh, and if you think you might be queer but you're not sure, this episode might make you gay. Probably just a little bit though. Some names have also been changed. This podcast was made with the support of New Zealand On Air.
0: Hello, hello, kia ora, and welcome back to The Good Sex Project. This is a podcast about good sex, good relationships, and how to find them. I'm Melody Thomas. This episode is designed to stand entirely on its own, so if you're just joining us now, all good. But if you do want the bigger picture, go back and listen from episode one, and we'll see you back here really soon. In the last episode of The Good Sex Project, we followed a few people on their journeys to self-discovery and self-love. But there were actually a couple of other characters who fit that theme, but who just needed a bit more space to share their
2: stories. I mean, I'll just be fully honest about the situation. All right, the person who I kissed was married. They would just send photos of me from my social media back and forth to each other and be like, look at this
3: big gay. What's she doing? What is she doing? This is
0: The Good Sex Project, episode 2B. Who the fuck is Alice? Alice.
2: What you're open to expands according to the society that allows you to let it expand.
0: This is Alice Sneddon. Maybe you know her already. She's a comedian, television writer and actor. She once got topless and filmed fake Shortland Street scenes to make a point about how we treat male versus female nipples on television.
2: Doctor, I'm worried. I think my nip pierce is infected.
0: That's for her video series Bad News, which you should look up online. It is amazing. But we're not talking about nipples today.
2: In my lifetime, there's been, like, a radical change of the way that we view queer relationships, the way that we view queer expression or queer sex or love or whatever. You know, like, the evolution of your sexuality doesn't happen in a vacuum.
3: Oh, and this? I was never one of those girls that made out with their mates at parties. Is Alice Soper? Never looked at women, never anything like that. It was so straight, absolutely. Alice Soper is a sports writer, broadcaster and rugby player. She's a total legend. The
2: one and only <laughs> Alice Hey, John, Oman. how are you? Good. You tell me what this feels like.
0: To Even John here. Campbell thinks so. And surprise, neither of these Alices are straight. I know, huge shock.
3: But it actually took both of them quite a while to figure it out. The internal monologue probably when I shortly after I moved to the UK, uh, which was 2017. So how old was I then? Maybe uh, 28, 29? I can't do maths.
2: Maybe until I was like 28. And then I made a bet with my friends, I was like, you know what, I'm going to hook up with a woman this year. Okay, this has the potential to get very confusing,
0: so we have two Alice S's who are around the same age and who have fairly similar voices, but don't worry, we're going to keep you posted on who we're talking with as we go throughout the episode. We'll make it as clear as we can. Behind the scenes at The Good Sex Project, we've been calling these two the late-in-life Alice's, though 30 years old isn't actually that late in life. And I should probably tell you that I also took 30 years to realise I wasn't straight, in my case bisexual, so you're getting three for the price of one here.
3: Anyway, we'll start with Alice Soper, Rugby Alice. Kia ora koutou, ka Ko alas um, My whānau originally is from Ireland, Scotland, Cornwall. I was born and raised here in Pōneke My colonizer whānau is from down south. Um, my mum and my dad met at Gore High, got married, then escaped uh, Gore and then each other. Um, so we grew up here in Wellington. And I go by she, her, uh, and I'm a proud lesbian woman uh, later in life, but loving it. <laughs> took me a while, but I'm glad that yeah. now that I'm here, I'm making up for Yeah, make it up making for. It up for lost
0: time. You might be wondering how a lesbian can go for so long without
3: a clue they're into women. Well, Alice Soper has wondered about that a bit herself. Why was it that it took so long? A couple of things going on there. One was that um, I had relationships with men that were difficult. Including one that was abusive. And so then that took time to kind of recover from that. So they're really noisy. And so that taking up a lot of space meant that it was always in response to kind of what was going on in their interior world. Basically, the men in her life were taking up so much space she couldn't even begin to think
0: about herself. Also, Alice was a teenager in the early 2000s when there were basically
3: zero cool, hot, butch, queer women on TV. I identified with, like... You know, cocky um, lead male characters like Zach from Saved by the Bell, I was like, the archetype, yes. That is, I'm obsessed with you. It's like, no, I want to be you. And when it came to the women on TV that were pitched as love interests or, you know, the hot ones, they didn't really do it for her either. And so that was, I think, a lot of confusion for me is in hindsight, is how attractive I am to queer women specifically. The male gaze on women does nothing for me. I'm not attracted to that energy. Um, and so I think that also made things very confusing. Yeah, you're right. Because, you are know, like, I'm not attracted to those women, so I'm not
0: attracted to women.
3: Yeah, right? So I was like, I don't find, like, super femme. Like, everybody is allowed to have their flavours. Everyone's got their flavours. But like that was never something that turned my head and this is another reason why we need to have more coverage of women's sports because I think if they'd done that I would have realised I was queer earlier because like strong powerful women how yeah like women that are standing in their own power absolutely and I'm not saying that femme women don't do that it's just the the energy that there is attached to queer women that do I think is it's that energy that I'm attracted to. Okay, let's go to our other
0: Alice now, Alice Sneddon, aka Comedian Alice. So when it comes to her sexual awakening, she doesn't actually have a clear sense of the timeline. It's more flashes of horny clarity
2: really strong memories of having big crush on this boy in primary school and him and I playing basketball and that being the origin of a real strong sexual fantasy for mine is that I would play one on one with somebody and then it would devolve into sex Um, and then like another boy who I saw with underarm hair and I was just like oh my god and I was probably about like 10 or 11 around that age and then like maybe like 12 obsessed with Julia Roberts in a way that at the, at the time it didn't occur to me to be sexual but like I had like a time magazine that she was on the front cover of and I was just like oh my god and then I just remember like it was my prize possession. <laughs> um, and but you I, were just
0: like I just, she's just a, my, an incredible artist. Yeah
2: I actually <laughs> modelled my laugh off
3: Julia. <laughs> <laughs> I love it up
1: here.
2: So I saw her, like, throw her head back at the Oscars, and I was like, I've got to get a bigger laugh. And then, like, you now it's stuck, and now, I, now I'm like, oh, fucking hell. Because hers is so glamorous, and mine is, like, huffing and wheezing. Alice's parents were pretty cool about sex, though there were some contradictory messages. My parents are Catholic, and they believe in sex within a committed relationship, but my mum was also pregnant when she married my dad. So, um, and I think she'll be comfortable with me saying that. That they were also very open sexually in the sense of like, they talked about sex, they're very affectionate with each other. It was talked about as like something that was very important to a relationship. I felt like I could always ask questions. I remember overhearing my sister talk about blowjobs and asking my mum about blowjobs, and uh, then like her starting to talk about masturbation. And I was just like, "This is hell!" And I was at the lights at the bottom of Victoria Street, and I like wanted to get out of the car. There wasn't really shame around it, but there was a sense of this is an important thing. So don't just be doing it with anyone. But it was all about like I would say them emphasizing the intimacy. And pleasure, but the intimacy that sex generates. Um, so they spoke to you about pleasure? Well, they would joke about it. My dad's very, like, cheeky. <laughs> um, and my mum would, like, swat him away. <laughs> you know, So I guess it was more inferred as opposed to it being, like, yeah, it feels great.
0: Alice doesn't remember feeling like there was a part of herself she needed to hide or suppress. But it does sound like something like that was going on.
2: There are a couple of moments where I can pinpoint where I definitely did repress something, which is like when I was 15, around that age, being in biology class, being overwhelmed by the thought that I was gay, puking in the toilets. Wow. Yeah. And then, like, nothing from then. Wow. <laughs> in my head. Where did that
0: come from? Do you know?
2: The voice of God. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: We already heard about Alice's first drunken pash in episode one. For international listeners, pash means passionate kiss. Making out. You should use it. It's a great one. Alice also mentioned her
2: first time having penetrative sex. I was like maybe 19, drunk again. A lot of my exploits were drunken. Like I was not comfortable sexually at all. So that's what we heard in episode one. But there was more to it than that. I think I was more like... Like at university, we used to have this thing called the score chart. Have you ever, you know about this? I mean, I went to Otago University, so this is maybe unique to that um, cesspit. But uh, yeah, so all of, it was heterosexual, of course. So all of the men's name along the top and all of the girls' names along the sides. And then they'd fill in your little squares of who you had hooked up with. And I wasn't having good sex either. And I don't think I was like that into it. Now we're going to pause with Alice
0: Sneddon. She's going to wait right there. We're going to come over to Alice Soper, Rugby Alice. Now, remember, she'd had those earlier, messy and distracting relationships with men where she couldn't find the space to think about herself. Well, when she was 28, she found a relationship that was
3: calmer and healthier. It wasn't until I had like a nice normal boyfriend, sorry to him, that that kind of helped me figure out that, no, actually, this doesn't work for me. And that coincided also with me moving to the UK and... I was introducing people for the fir- uh, myself for the first time and when you do that I think you start to check like the stories that you tell about yourself and one that I'd always told about myself was that I was super straight like what are you talking about? And Not even a
0: little not bit. Not even straight, a little like, bit like had straight. and
3: again in hindsight like how much I had shut that door completely. <laughs> If you put a hard block on something, I think you need to spend a bit of interrogation on, like, why that is. Because generally, it's like, if you're having to protect a line so hard, there's probably something on the other side that you need to, like, unpack and deal with. Why did I feel so uncomfortable going to the Pride events? Like, what? That makes no sense. I, like, I, I, I'm, like, such a social justice whatever, but I was like, I don't know if I can go over here. Why can't you go over there? Because it's going to maybe reveal something. So silly.
0: So silly. At the very beginning of this episode, we heard a tiny snippet from Alice Sneddon, the comedian, saying
2: this. What you're open to expands according to the society that allows you to let it expand.
0: And that was definitely true for rugby Alice. For a bunch of reasons, Alice felt like she couldn't really expand into her full self here in New Zealand. Not around all the people who had always known her as straight Alice, and definitely not around the people who had called her gay for being a rugby-loving tomboy. She wasn't going to prove them right. But when she was 28, Alice moved
3: to London to play for Richmond, and things began to change. While women's rugby is queer here in New Zealand, it's co- it's kind of covert, like it's not once they know that you you are as well then everybody's out about it.
0: Whereas in the UK, a very first introduction would go something like, "Hey, what's your name? How many
3: women have you slept with?" So when you go away um, with your team for the first time, they'd put you in the hot seat, they'd ask you three questions straight off the bat. Your name, number of people you slept with, and the ratio of men to women. Because it was just assumed that everybody is a little bit, right? And so that then kind of set off a couple of things. Okay, we will come back
0: to rugby, Alice. But back at Otago University in New Zealand, Alice Sneddon, who had vomited in biology because of the voice of God, was still playing the straight Alice game getting her name up on the hookup board.
2: Otago was, like, a very heterosexual, heteronormative environment. And I think I deeply wanted to be, like, not get any attention for anything other than, like, achievement. (laughs) So, like, the idea that I would be different in a way that wasn't just better than everyone else (laughs) was... Which I know it makes me sound terrible, but, I mean, I imagine a few people feel like that. Yeah, so I I think I was in these environments where I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to conform and feeling really uncomfortable about those environments for lots of different ways, like politically, socioeconomically, like body-wise, like just all of these things that were taking up so much more of my brain space than my sexuality was.
0: And then Alice moved to Auckland to finish law
2: school. And then I got into, like, the creative side of things where everyone was queer so I think there was like a lot of me co-opting other people's experiences to without realizing it feel comfortable in myself. What to do the you point, mean by that? I mean like by being around people who were comfortable with who they were and loving those people unconditionally and not seeing anything different about those people or like not having any pejoratives or, you know, any negative associations with that. It, I, I was probably internalising all of that in a really positive way. So that when I realised I was also queer, there, there would be no hesitation. Because why why would there? Because you know, so many of my friends are queer. And I feel nothing but love for them and annoyance for, you know, things not to do with their queerness, like they whole people to me. So. It almost felt like it would be hypocritical to feel any other way.
0: For both Alices, everything up until this point was happening pretty subconsciously. The gears were turning and long-held beliefs were slowly coming apart at the seams. Teeny, tiny little bells starting to go off. But the penny still hadn't dropped.
2: And then I made a bet with my friends. I was like, you know what? I'm going to hook up with a woman this year.
0: This is Alice Sneddon talking about the year that she turned 28.
2: And I think... At the time, we were kind of laughing about it because I was straight and, like, I wouldn't... It seemed like I wouldn't do that. And I think... But I think that was me opening the door. She wasn't quite
0: ready to open it all the way, though.
2: And then um, I didn't. The year went by. But
0: when at first you don't
2: succeed... The next year I met somebody and, um... Completely out of the blue, and we kissed... she kissed me because I would never have initiated that and I was like oh damn yeah yeah I mean the kiss was all right it wasn't like it was more just I was like interesting
0: interesting yeah yeah. pursuing this line of inquiry yes
2: exactly and then instantly like honestly within I want to say a minute of the kiss I came out to everybody (laughs) Like at the bar, it was at the basement. I like told all my friends, I'm like, I'm by now, oh, just to let you guys know. Pretty sure, like within the week, my parents knew. Like, there was no um, hesitation from like the minute I discovered it to um, fully embracing it and going for it.
0: I love the trajectory of this journey, just kind of edging open the door. Not actually really, but just back up and then bam, I don't know where she is, out and proud. But if you'll allow me to continue with the door metaphor for just a second, chucking all your weight behind a door and shunting it open can lead to injuries.
2: I mean, I mean, I'll just be fully honest about the situation. All right, the person who I kissed was married, so that was more consuming to me than the revelation of the sexuality. I was more morally. Um, torn by what my feelings for a married person and the instinct to want to act on those than I was any of the associated sexuality stuff and in fact when I came out to my parents it wasn't I'm gay it's oh my god I like this person and they're married and that's the conversation we had and the conversation about sexuality was like okay cool now let's deal with the marriage (laughs) um
0: we're going to come back to this, Alice, but over in the UK, Alice Soper wasn't entirely being super graceful either.
3: Uh, full disclosure, I didn't go about that in the most ethical way. Um, and I don't think, like, in hindsight, obviously, there's the right way to do things in the wrong way. Um, and so I was still with my male partner uh, when I first had experiences with women. And, you know, that's something I regret. Regret for how she hurt someone she cared about but not for setting her foot on the path. I remember I had a a beautiful conversation with my friend Ted around this time, who's a gay man, who I always remember him saying to me, like, yeah, you can have guilt about that relationship and, and, you know, that not being how you'd want to carry yourself, but you also have to hold on to the joy that is that validation of yourself. Alice realised she needed to end that relationship. And I had that conversation with him and said, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm also attracted to women. And at that stage, you know, I was not sure if it was that I was entirely attracted to women, but I said, you know, and had to end that relationship and say to him, look, I I need space to figure it out. I can't be emotionally responsible for you and for me in this period of time. So yeah, I had to end that relationship. And that was really hard because he is a lovely man, um, but just not the... Not, not obviously, yeah, not the woman for me, unfortunately, you know, which is so ridiculous because his sister, his twin sister, asked when we got together, she was like, isn't she, you know, and he was like, no, no, oh, I so was, come on, man.
1: Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair, i played the great game of rugby league for the Storm Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. (laughs) Oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. (laughs)
0: You're conflating a whole bunch of issues.
1: You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child
3: abuse no,
0: numbers.
2: You can manipulate crime
0: statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tell you about gotcha journalism. Hang
1: into the national parties. No tagline right, there. But, but I what, think Chris, it, was, it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction.
0: It, it, yeah, I'm not worried about it at all. That's, Nothing unfair there on. that sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on.
1: Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The term coming out implies an internal realisation that you then slowly reveal to others. And I guess this is what happened for Alice Soper, rugby Alice, who was back in New Zealand at this point, by the way. But it was also kind of outside in. I'll let her explain.
3: I had done a lot of performative femininity in my teens and stuff because, like I say, social camouflage, put it all on, pass, nobody asked any questions to Alice about these things. So, it was actually allowing myself to be visibly me first before the sexuality part came into it. Because long, glossy hair and dresses had never really felt right to her. So, when I chose to cut cut my hair at the end of um, 2016, and like I wanted a short back and sides, and I'd always wanted that. And the like euphoria that was of like self, and then coming into that too around like no longer making myself wear dresses and things at weddings and other big like social events and that was really hard. It was hard because with her short hair and trousers people
0: assumed she was making a statement that she actually wasn't ready to make. Not beyond this is the real me. You know they'd come up to her and congratulate her on coming out. As I like to
3: call them the rough hand jans which are like yeah auntie that's probably a lesbian but like is married to Ian and that's fine but like again will come and tell me how super brave I am for wearing a suit you know I'm like thanks Jan love that for me I'm also still in the closet Um. but she
0: didn't stay there much longer
3: and it was actually a pretty short on-ramp from doing that and casting off that person I was trying to be for other people and allowing me to be me that then to the re-examining who I was attracted to you hear a few coming out stories where a
0: brave person steps out and says, family, I'm gay. And they go, well, yeah, about time you realised. Alice's coming out was totally like that.
3: My beautiful friends, um, Kitty Tapu, Ellen, and Julia Faiputzi, they used to have a chat. They told me this afterwards. They used to have a, a group chat between them where they would just send photos of me from my social media back and forth to each other and be like, look at this big gay. What's she doing?
0: What is she doing? Far out. But no one had, I mean, even if they'd said something earlier, you
3: you would have shut that down probably. Oh, yeah. You so also able... my mum had conversations when I, with my stepdad when I was like two about, oh, well, when Alice comes out, you know. And um, my dad, when I called him up and, and, you know, said, oh, look, I've done this and, you know, I'm coming out type of thing, he just laughed for like a minute. And then he finally stopped and he was like, but you knew that, right? And I was like, no. And then he laughed more. And my sister, bless her, one of them, she said to me, oh, well, that's cool, Alice, because there's lots of hot lesbians these days. (laughs) Meanwhile,
0: Alice Sneddon, comedian Alice, was coping with the situation she was in, being in an on-again, off-again relationship with a married woman by doing the one thing she does best, making people laugh to distract from her pain.
2: The thing I did, which was both good and bad, was write a show about it. And so then I was performing the show that I had written intended to be a reflection on something I had done while still doing it. (laughs) And so that was a real mindfuck. Yeah. And that was a huge mistake, but also forced a lot of really intense self-reflection
0: Okay, I want to make sure that we've got both our Alices at about the same point in their journeys. So we've got Alice Sneddon, she's just hit the queer superhighway, but Alice Soper is still on the on-ramp. So Alice Soper's back in New Zealand, she's broken up with her boyfriend, and she's finally got the space and time to figure out her sexuality stuff on her own terms. What happens next? The country goes into a full lockdown, and Alice is stuck at home alone. Which actually was kind of amazing.
3: I felt like I was on drugs, like uh, like panging. This <laughs> is so up. Alice channeled all
0: this manic energy into flirting with women on Instagram.
3: Women are amazing. Like, what a great time to be flirting with women on the internet because, like, the the sexting game of women is incredible. Okay, like the photos they will send you, the lighting, the everything. If you're sexting with a woman, they're not just being like you know, one line. They're sending you paragraphs. They're sending you personalised erotica. <laughs> it's incredible. I had been in like w- long-term relationships, and also at times long-distant relationships with men. And so like I had done that and I would never had anyone like match the energy. And I was like, shit, if someone comes back and matches the energy, this is like woo, next level, man. Like that's the pregame. If they're giving you that in pre-game, imagine, you know? I mean, we could imagine, or we could just get them to tell us about
2: it. Here's Alice Sneddon. Not until I started having sex with women was I like, oh, (laughs) it can feel good. More just like, ah, keen, want more. The
0: sex that Alice had been having with men always followed the same path.
2: All the sex I'd been having is going like, okay, and then we do, you know, it goes A, B, C, D, (laughs) F, G... That's straight sex.
0: Whereas with women, it was more like... The main difference was that you couldn't assume that things were going to go a certain way, or that one person would be doing this stuff to the other person. So you had to talk about it.
2: I was like, wow, we're really just making this up on the fly. This is cool, (laughs) you know? And it really took me out of my head and made me incredibly present. Yeah, and made me feel great about myself as well in a way that I hadn't experienced.
3: Yeah, sex with women. woman, wow, so good. This is Rugby Ellis again. The whole way in which queer sex doesn't follow a straight line, awesome. So much better for me because I would, I'd be so bored. <laughs> it's like always the same, like, you know, making out, one person goes down, other person goes down, penetration in the end, you know? Boring. What I really like about having sex with people with vulvas is that it's that whole thing of, no, like, it's your turn, then it's my turn, then it's your turn, then it's my turn. That's why it lasts longer, because it's like, we'll spend 45 minutes on me, 45 minutes on you, then that's probably turned me back on again, you know, like, and so then away you go. Like, what a great time. Amazing. Yeah. Um, exhausting. I did wonder for a time there, I was like, will quickies ever happen again? I did quite like quickies. We figured those out. But for a time there, I was like, I don't know if I have this much time in my life.
0: Okay, we've caught the Alices up to each other. So these days, right now, both Alices are in great same-sex relationships, both of which actually started over Instagram. Alice Sneddon's partner lives in Aotearoa, while she's based in the UK. So at the moment, they're figuring out how to make the long-distance thing work. Alice says the key to making it work has been...
2: A little bit of just fake it until you make it, and then a bit of therapy and, like, honestly, a lot of fucking up, I would say. Yeah. I mean, the communication stuff is, like, I always feel like I've been, like, a relatively good communicator... In my friendships, in my family, but what I realised going into relationships with that sort of confidence in my communication is how different the stakes are in those relationships, is how they feel in a romantic relationship in terms of, like, what can feel like is on the line.
0: But she's starting to figure it out.
2: But again, not without huge... <laughs> blips in the radar. <laughs> what does a fuck-up or a blip look like for you? Um. Oh, God. Okay, I can tell you one that I, that I did. I think I had learned a pattern in my previous relationship of essentially things breaking off when there was a difficult moment.
0: This is a classic move, is getting out before you can get hurt.
2: So I went away on holiday... <laughs> with my girlfriend and a couple of my friends that I was really overthinking. We were in Italy and I was like, oh my God, can you be gay in Italy? Like I was with my friends and they were talking about like their distaste for relationships. And I was like, okay, I shouldn't be too affectionate then. And then I was like, is my girlfriend having a good time and my friends having a good time and can see I haven't changed and and all of this stuff was building up inside of me and I could feel my girlfriend getting anxious like I was acting so weird you know but not bringing any of it up and then eventually it, and and this story really reflects really badly on me we ended up on the Amalfi coast and I essentially had a panic attack and broke up with her. And she quite rightfully was like, what the fuck is going on? And um, so that would be an example of me.
3: <laughs> Spinning out, not communicating.
0: 100%. Fleeing.
2: And then what we did, I was like, the next day we both got out of Italy, we went back to London, we took a couple days where I was like, okay, what just happened? She was so gracious. <laughs> with me and yeah we were able to talk it through and i learned from that experience to be like okay immediately start talking about this and every time since then that i've done it, it has been like this huge weight lifted off my shoulders so that was a big moment for me i learned a lot from that very expensive very short holiday <laughs>
0: Rugby Alice, Alice Soper,
3: has also been on a really big learning journey. I've always been on that quite difficult to uh, know what I'm feeling when I'm feeling it. This is probably
0: tied a little bit into her earlier relationships with men. The messy relationships which were filled with noise at one time abuse, where Alice had to override what her body
3: was trying to tell her. I think that's probably the biggest piece of grief I have within intimacy, is having to continue to pull myself back into presence, because I think all of that time that I spent sleeping with men actually brought some dissociation into those spaces because I would have to go into my head in order to make it through that I didn't realise at the time. Alice Soper and her girlfriend Bailey first started messaging on
0: Instagram during that lockdown period, and they met up in real life soon after that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that was like, uh, I guess, end of May. And then, yeah, in a very typical queer woman energy, I live in this house alone, so she moved in like pretty quickly, I think by August. She's lived here since then, <laughs> yeah. And the safety that Bailey offers Alice has been huge for her. One of the like biggest gifts that she's given me is just also just like space to feel stuff and not have to put names on it. Just holding space for me to just be like, I'm not great today, and that being enough. Like, wow. I mean, so basic, but like such a a, a big thing.
0: The end, despite the fact that they both took their sweet time with it, coming out actually hasn't been a big deal for either of them.
3: To be honest with you, my biggest anxiety was probably around the social stuff, around I had told everyone how straight I was for years, like, am I now a joke? If I'm, and nobody could care less, you know, like, nobody could care less, they were just like, you're happy, that's great, you know, we're happy for you.
2: As a result, I've had way more frank conversations with my friends about their straight sex and, like, I feel like I've become a person who people can tell me any of their, like, quote-unquote, weird sex shit to, and I'm like, nice. (laughs) Um, Even if it's not for me, I'm just like, yeah, cool, you know? Like, I'm just into people giving it a go, (laughs) essentially. I've always thought, like, my best asset in anything sexual is my enthusiasm just to try, you know? (laughs)
0: Okay, it's nearly time to wrap up this episode, but before we do that, there's one more person I want to introduce you to. When we were starting to produce the podcast, she approached me with a very specific dilemma that totally
1: fits here. Yeah, and I've had these, like, quite intense, like, emotional things with women. This is Delphi. You know, where you're like, whoa, this is full on, and this is, maybe I love you, I've known you for, like, four days, and maybe I'm in love with you. Oh, you're you're absolutely gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, no denying, no denying. Delphi is 26, she's bisexual and lives in Wellington, which she loves. It's a very, like, queer-friendly city. I've got a lot of queer friends, all different, identify lots of different ways. But Delphi struggles with feeling a little outside of the queer scene,
0: and this is really common for people who are bisexual, who feel either too queer for straight circles or too straight for queer ones. And it doesn't help that so far, Delphi's only
1: hooked up with men. I've... Never had sex with a woman. But I've had experiences that I'm like, I know that I'm attracted to women and I am capable of having very um, intense feelings for women. And I kind of feel a little bit like, I don't know, on the fringes or like I can't necessarily claim that identity because of that lack of experience. There's a couple of things I need to say here. You don't need to have slept with someone of the same
0: sex to claim bisexuality or any kind of queerness.
1: Because I think about like before I'd slept with a man... That didn't invalidate my sex. Like, when I thought I was straight and I hadn't slept with a man, I wasn't questioning whether or not I was straight. Do you know what? Like, I wasn't being like, oh, but I haven't had sex yet, so I'm an asexual. Exactly. You know who
0: you are and that's all that matters. And secondly, there's lots and lots of bi and pan people who are super chill and settled in their sexuality. And we've already heard from some of them in earlier episodes. So bisexual doesn't mean confused even though in this specific case we have one fairly confused and stressed out bisexual.
1: I also touched on the fact that I've never been in like a sort of serious long-term relationship and I think that then feeds into this whole idea of like flaky bisexuals who can't commit. And then it's also like oh my god I like people of all genders, and I've never managed to have a relationship, you know? Like, it's this thing where it's like, oh my God, I have more choice than most, (laughs) and yet... (laughs) Everything we've just talked about,
0: about how bisexuality is valid and completely separate from your sexual history, Delphi knows all of that.
1: Like, fully, it totally makes sense to me in theory, but... I think also the like older I get, the more I'm like, oh my god, I'm missing my window. <laughs> Which is again so silly.
0: Yeah, it's silly. There's no window. But it's also not silly because it's hard to watch your life go by and feel like there's this step that you need to take towards being happier and healthier and more you, but you're just frozen in place.
1: Well, particularly with women, I feel like sometimes I'm like, are we just getting like are we just getting really along really well as Pals? Are we just being pals or is this something?
0: Is this a vibe? So this is why we've got Delphi popping in here, because Alice Soper, rugby Alice, went from definitely not gay to flirting up a storm on the internet to boot up with Bailey in really quick succession. And I thought she might have some advice
3: for Delphi on how to proceed, and she did. Okay, so here's the thing about me. I am ridiculously confident at shooting shots. What
0: Alice means is she's great at telling someone she's into them.
3: Like, I would just be honestly direct about it. Like, like I, think I, find, I think you're really attractive. I'd love to take you out sometime.
0: You know what I mean? Like, And then they're like, yeah. And, you're like, oh. and then I'm like, what, 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 what do we do? <laughs> yeah, not so great when the feelings reciprocated.
3: Is <laughs> it <laughs> <laughs> coffee? Like, yeah, no. <laughs> um, I always tell people, I was like, uh, Instagram is a modern day dating app. What she said is Instagram is a modern day
0: dating app. And I love this next tip, so pay attention.
3: I've been told that Close Friends is a low-key fishing expedition. Oh, So you can, like, add your crush into that Close Friends and then just be baiting that hook and throwing it out there. That's good. But a big fan of, um, yeah, thirst trap
0: away, my friends. Yeah, but thirst trap, like, you know, t- in a targeted manner. Uh-huh. So you add a picture to your Instagram story, obviously a hot one, but instead of sending it out to everyone, you tap close friends and just make sure your crush, oh, crushes are in there. I love that. Put all your
3: crushes in that close circle. Can they see Put each other? There.
0: Can they see each other?
3: No, they can only see <laughs> you. They can't see who <laughs> else is viewing.
0: God, I love just that. Just for you, babe. <laughs> okay, and this bit is important. If you're going to be shooting your shots,
3: they're not always going to land, and you've got to be okay with that. The only bit of wisdom that I've gained in my life is like, trust isn't about whether or not you trust someone else, it's about whether or not you trust yourself to be okay if the worst happens in situations. And if you don't, then you're probably not in a good space to be dating people. Like if the no is going to be devastating to you, then don't put yourself in those spaces. And Delphi, especially
0: you, once you've landed a date, be straight up. It is a bit of a leap of faith. But if you don't put yourself out there, you'll never know.
3: Anything we do in life, we have to do with intent. So it's like, if that's what you're wanting, be intentional about it. Ask, be direct. Tell them what you want. No, yeah, I am flirting with you. So, yep, yeah, tone of voice, words you're using, eye contact, a little bit of touch, but not in a creepy way. If you're doing it in the DMs, that's being explicit in the words you're using. And sometimes also, I would say, just acknowledge the awkwardness too. Be like... I feel very embarrassed about this, but I am very attracted to you. Can I take you out sometime? Be honest about it. People find that shit charming. You certainly are that, Alice Soper.
0: Delphi, I hope that that advice helps you out, and please let us know if it does. This episode has been really amazing to make, and it means a lot to me because if I'd heard more stories like this when I was younger, I reckon I'd have figured out my own sexuality stuff a lot earlier. The good news is, there are so many more stories like this these days. On TV, in pop songs, and movies. Imagine if King Princess had been around in the 90s, and Elliot Page, and Tessa Thompson, and Kristen Stewart, and Janelle Monáe. God, if there'd been more women like Alice Soper playing rugby on TV, I might have even found myself into sport. One thing's for sure. I'd have been as straight as a... Two-minute noodle. I don't know. The queer agenda isn't some sinister brainwashing operation, as some would have you believe. The real gay agenda is an imagined future where all people get to live happy, healthy lives alongside those that they love. And while there are and may always be threats to this, as of 2023, it's well underway.
3: I remember I went on a school visit here in Wainui Mata. Here's Alice Soper, reminiscing about a little moment she had recently with some high schoolers. And I was wearing my rainbow lanyard and I got picked up by these two young women at a reception and <laughs> we're walking back and they go... Are you wearing a rainbow lanyard because you're an ally Or because you're a part of our community And I said oh I am an ally And I am a part of the community Oh that's cool Well I'm um, uh, pansexual I'm cis I'm not sure like uh, if I you know Have actually any attraction to men though But I'm still open at the moment The other one was like my mum's bisexual And I think that I might also be Cool completely unsolicited Love this for you guys It's amazing eh I was like great Have the whole conversation, you know? And this whole thing too, where people are like, oh, it's cool to be? Great.
2: It's been uncool to be for so long. I'm riding the wave of people who have done all the work to make it a non-issue. Here's Alice Sneddon. Like, in some ways I'd say I'm like the cowardly version of someone who like repressed it so much that it wasn't even a day-to-day issue in my life whatsoever because to step outside of my comfort zone was too scary in any realm. You know, like the evolution of your sexuality doesn't happen in a vacuum and... You know, I think that's all the more reason why people who do push against that are incredibly brave because it takes a lot to do that, yeah. And they're also doing a huge service to the rest of the community, including people who identify as straight.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much to Alice Soper and Alice Sneddon. Without a doubt, the country's very best Alice S's. Coming up in the next episode of The Good Sex Project, what is sexual empowerment? What's sex positivity? And how the shit did we get them both so wrong?
2: And she was like, are you empowered? And I was like, well, yeah, because it's my body and I'm doing whatever I want with it. And then she was like, mm, okay, let's unpack this because that's not what it's giving right now when you come to my room at 3am and you're crying about. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to The Good Sex Project, a series made with the support of New Zealand On Air. If you want to get in touch with me or with the team, please send us a message. You can do that on Instagram at goodsexproject or email goodsexproject at gmail.com. We love to hear from you and we are preparing for a second season. So get in touch if you have something you really want to hear about or if you have a story of your own to share. And of course, if you're enjoying the series, tell your friends and give us some stars and some nice words on your favourite podcast platform. The Good Sex Project was written and developed by me, Melody Thomas. Our producer and audio editor is Kirsten Johnstone from Popsock Media. Phil Brownlee recorded me in the studio, and our sound mix is by Mark Chesterman. Beautiful soundtrack music is by Paddy Fred, with additional music by the Wellington band Womb.
1: Find both of them on Bandcamp. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband.
2: That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret.
1: In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility.
2: Unless you've been in it, it's it's really tough and really lonely.
0: Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers? You don't need to open the
2: presents in front of everyone.
1: Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending.
2: This very blunt abrasive doctor who I had you know had not seen before who delivered the news it's just like you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby.
1: The human race where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it and so I feel really lucky so it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz thehumanrace the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevit.
2: If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You'll also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.